Welcome to Revival is Here Again with Apostle Goodhart. God is about to speak directly to you as this message is guaranteed to impact your life. As you listen today, expect that God's Word has been sent in your direction to bring about revival, healing, restoration, and transformation. With faith in your heart and great expectation, join me to receive God's Word through His choice vessel, Apostle Goodheart O. Equeme. Still standing before the Lord, let's go to the Word of, of Life. Our anchor text is found in Proverbs 9, verse number 10, AMPC. Let's read together. One, two, three, go. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning of the chief choice part of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is insight and understanding. Hallelujah. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning, underscore the chief and choice part of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is insight and understanding. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Our Father and our God, yet again, we thank you for the honor to gather again under this open heavens. I beseech you to take a coal of fire from the throne of grace, anoint the lips and the tongue of clear of your seven sons, that tonight I will come to these your people in person in this hall, but for the multitudes across the nations locked on this altar with your very word. Move every man, woman, boy, or girl from where we are to the place called destiny. And we'll vow to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for the transformation that our lives will receive under this open heavens. In Jesus' wondrous name we pray. Let somebody shout a big amen. amen. You may be standing in God's wonderful presence for an assignment. The fear of the Lord ultimate key to intimacy with God, part number two. I began my homily and discourse on Sunday morning by trying to buttress the great importance, especially as we draw near to the end of age, for believers to make it a thing of importance to seek to grow in intimacy with God. Because those that will matter, will be relevant, will make impact, leave a footprint on the sands of time in the day and age we live in, are those that really know God. Those that really know God. Said over and over without mincing words, it's one thing to know somebody intimately, it's another to know about that person. And on Sunday morning in particular, we began to see uh, as it were, case studies of certain men in the Bible who walked with God intimately. And we saw certain similar characteristics uh, in their lives, a common denominator in their lives, so that those things were common from A, B, C, D. And the whole essence, taking you through those case studies, was hopefully to whet our appetite and help us to desire what they found and also at the same time 
be willing to pay the price they paid to earn or to not earn, to gain the prize that they attained, which largely has to do with intimacy, God's presence, and God's glory upon their lives. We looked briefly at a man called Enoch, who uh, the Bible tells us that he walked with God, and because of the intimate fellowship he had with God, the Bible says, and God took him. It seems to be that there are certain people God delights to be in their company. And I said that God is the God of everybody. He's a father of his children, those who are born again, but he's a friend to some. Ayah. He's a friend to some. So God to all is a father to his children, but he's friend to some. It's not everybody that earned the title of friendship when it comes to God. Abraham, a friend of God. Moses, a friend of God. David, a friend of God. Paul, the apostle, a friend of God. We saw a case study in the man Moses that when others were, were running from the glory cloud, Moses walked towards the glory. When others ran away, he walked to the glory. And others said, you go ahead, connect with this God of yours, hear from him and come to talk to us. Moses was a man who was desirous of God's presence. For 40 days, two times documented, he was upon Mount Sinai in the Shekinah glory of God for 40 days. No food, no water, but he had more than food and water. He had the presence of the Lord that sustained his spirit, his soul, his body, and his mind in God's presence. We, we saw another man called David. And of course, David, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Bible describes him as a man who was, whose heart was after God. And we saw in Acts 13, 22 that God said, I found me a man after my own heart. And for God to find, uh, by extension, he possibly was looking. And I believe as it was in those years, he was looking for people on the earth whose hearts are panting after him. God is still looking today for men and women whose hearts are panting after him. We saw finally our fourth case study, a man called Apostle Paul, who evidently was a man who was very passionate about God. In the later years of his ministry with great accomplishment, attainment, he said, hey, I, I count all things but dung for the excellency of the knowledge of God. He said, oh, that I may know him, the fellowship of his suffering. If by any means, just if by any means, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Hallelujah. A man who wanted more of God had seen a lot, being used by God mightily, marvelously, yet still, he felt, I'm just beginning this quest to see God. And I said to you, the one way you know you're beginning to know God is that you and I know we don't know God. So when you see somebody bragging, I know God, I know God, you know that person has a long way to go in knowing God. And we saw again that though salvation is free, salvation is by no means cheap. There is a price tag oftentimes to get the many inheritances that God has made available to us in the covenant. They don't just fall upon your laps like ripe cherry. If they did, everybody will have them. Why do some have and some don't have? It's not from the God side of the equation. It's from the man's side because he has made everything available. James 1 17 says, every good gift, every perfect gift, 
has been made available for God's own children. It was for you and I to take what God has made available to us. And we saw in a nutshell, just by way of teaching, five cost elements, five cost elements that we need to look at if we're going to enjoy his presence, we're going to walk in his tangible glory. We saw the cost element of desire, passion, thirst, hunger. In the realm of the spirit, things respond to hunger and passion. It's been said that pursue it or pursue it is a proof of desire. What you chase after is indicative of what you really desire. You can say you want God, you want this, you want this, but if you're not chasing after God, you don't really want God. Praise God. If you're chasing after money, fame, popularity, and you say you want God, you've proven yourself wrong because pursuit is the proof of desire. So Bible declares, Matthew 5, 6, that they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be fed. They shall, that will be, that is, that will be satisfied. So hunger is a cost element. And if we don't have hunger, we can pray for God to make you hungry. Hallelujah. Make me hungry. Hungry for your presence. Hungry for your power. Hungry for your, you see, if you're not hungry, it's indicative of ill spiritual health. Ay, ay, yeah. So when you begin to lose hunger about God or hunger for God and the things of God, you need a revival at that point in time. Second cost element is the cost element of prayer. Obviously so. <laughs> you, can't, you can't really enjoy revival without prayer. It's oftentimes said that revival is birthed by prayer and is sustained by prayer. How come our church happens to emphasize prayer? It's a big deal for us here because our mandate is to carry the touch and the fire of revival from city to city and coast to coast. So prayer is a big deal. Bible declares in Luke 18 verse 1, men ought to pray always and not to faint. Third cost element we saw is the element of the word. A need to go into God's word. Bible declares where there is no wood, the fire goes out. So what keeps fire burning on your altar is the wood of the word of God. When you stop stoking wood, stoking wood there, the flame will go out. So the wood is what causes the fire to burn even more. So the word element. The next prize we saw is the fasting prize or the fasting element. Yes, it is good to pray, but oftentimes you should, as a maturing believer, engage the additional spiritual weapon of fasting to prayer. Jesus said this kind does not go out except by fasting and prayer. There is a reason for that. Hallelujah. We ought to pray, we ought to give, we ought to fast. Praise God. It's both a New Testament principle as well as it's Old Testament. Praise God. The fifth element we saw in terms of price to pay is the price of consecration. The price of cons. The word to consecrate means to set apart something for a particular use. Same meaning with dedication. To set something apart for a particular use. So we must know that as believers, our lives primarily should be consecrated to God. Consecrated to worship our God. And as you grow, likewise also your levels of consecration should be growing. Praise God. What was allowable to you, acceptable to you yesterday or five years ago, today by virtue of new levels and degree of your consecration with God, it's not allowable. And Paul speaks of such, that there are certain things that may, not be, may be lawful, but not particularly expedient. 
it's lawful but not expedient in other words it's not a sin not to do a b c d but yet it could be a weight for me as an individual and not for you praise god so there are levels of consecration and really really god is attracted to the consecrated to the pure to the holy to the sanctified so these are part of the cost element if you want to walk in his power in his glory and to be a carrier of his tangible presence hallelujah my dear friend Glenn Arikon says, if you're going to enjoy intimacy with the Holy Ghost, there are three things you need. Number one, hear me real good, is exclusivity. Learn to give the Holy Ghost exclusive moments. Exclusivity. Uh, you see, when something is exclusive, it's not for everybody, not for every common use. It's exclusive. Also, learn to give the Holy Ghost privacy. They sound alike, not quite the same thing. Privacy means moments where you're just with God, by God, all by yourself. The third thing, if you're going to enjoy intimacy with the Holy Ghost, is time investment. So, exclusivity privacy and time ah, jesus said when you pray what do you do get into your closet that could be physical but beyond being physical there is another closet the closet of your heart get into your closet shut the door what is the door the door is what closes access to interference and distractions one of the devil's choice weapons in the day and age we live is a weaponry of distraction you see, if you're not able to overcome distraction, especially in this day and age, you will struggle with your spirituality. Because many things the enemy throws at believers today may not initially appear as sin or sinful, but they're weights. They take your time. They eat your moments. And if your time is spent on futile efforts, then you can't spend your time on things that are of eternal value and consequence. So we must be able to overcome distraction. How do we do that? Have moments we enter into our closet, shut the door, turn the phone off for one hour. You wouldn't die. You would have, you would have had an attack. No, sir. You will survive. You will survive. Praise God. One hour. Just shut it down for one hour. Yeah, tell God I'm honoring you just one hour I want to be with you no call no text you know what you're really honoring your God hallelujah uh, yeah Shaka let me leave that up exclusivity privacy and time some things happen in a matter of time you see the devil is not so much as intimidated with you doing the right thing once hmm. While that is impressive, what really intimidates the devil is when you do the right thing again and again and again. When the right thing becomes habitual to you, you got the devil messed up. Praise God. So it's not about praying three hours once in a month or once in three months, but perhaps it's about praying 30 minutes every day for one month. Praise God. Then you build consistency, then you can build also spiritual stamina. Praise God. So the enemy is dead scared about those who can do the right thing consistently. It's been said that it takes an average plus minus 21 days for a habit to be formed. Likewise, same period to break a habit. And oftentimes, for you to form a habit, you break another habit. Praise the Lord, somebody. So really, we ought to exchange good habits for bad habits. The habit of prayer. The habit of study, the habit of witnessing, the habit of asking people around you, are you born again? Do you know Christ? Are you sure of your eternal well-being? Those are good habits. Somebody shout a big amen. amen. Glory to God. Now, for, for, for most of you, I believe you do that, know that, we have 10 core values in this great ministry. And one of the core values is emphasis 
of the reverential fear of God. One of our ten core values. For emphasis of the reverential fear. I believe it was appropriately coined. Not just the fear of God, but the reverential fear of God. Because they're different. Yeah, we'll see that shortly. Saints, a deeper study on the reverential fear of God, please listen, will make you begin to understand how important, how rudimentary, how foundational this is for your salvation and your well-being. Mm. The, the truth is, anyone who really does not fear God to an extent cannot be born again. To an extent. Hallelujah. We'll see that shortly. That, that the fear of God is actually fundamental and foundational for believers. Ah, uh, yeah. So that when believers, oh boy, ah, uh, yeah, begin to lose the fear of the Lord, they are walking on slippery ground. It was Jim Baker who had invited um, John Beaver into his prison yard where he was many years ago. We know the story of Jim Baker, I presume we do. And Jim Baker got a hold of one of the books written by John Bevere. I think it's called Victory in the Wilderness. And he read the book. And of course, you know, <coughs> Jim Baker was a much older man of God. He read the book when he was in prison for the many things he committed in ministry, um, financial propriety, uh, uh, sexual uh, uh, crime, all of that stuff. So he read the book. He said he was in, in tears. Uh, and he sent for John Bevere. He said, look, hey, hey, I want to see you. Please make efforts to come to see me in my prison. And when John Bevere met uh, Jim Baker, uh, Jim Baker said, hey, did you write this book? He said, I did. I said, sit down. He said, this book has messed me up. And he began to tell his story to John Bevere. John Bevere, in his characteristic, inquisitive way, said, sir, may I ask a simple question? He said, yes, go ahead, son. He said, uh, uh, can I ask you, at what point in your journey... Did you stop loving Jesus? Mm. He said, John, the truth is, I never stopped. I loved him before the hideous sins and offense. I loved him during and after I still loved him. He said, but the only problem is, at some point, I lost the fear of God. You didn't get that? <laughs> yeah. I lost the reverential fear of God. So it is possible to an extent to still be connected to God, still, still desire him to an extent, but, but uh, the telltale sign of danger is if ever, God forbid, anyone begins to lose the reverential fear of God. <laughs> yeah. Why? The reverential fear of God in the heart of a believer is a safety valve. It is the lack of it that makes people do and say things that you wonder. How come? Where? How? Praise God. Hallelujah. So this subject is very, very critical to help to look at the health uh, of our work with God. Very important. It's important we are deliberate to begin to teach and then pray in and then hopefully cultivate the reverential fear of God in our lives. Now, this is not a typical everyday ceremony here in every church. The truth is, if you carry out some kind of, 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 of what's now, um, 
uh, inventory or whatever it is, you know, um, roll call and ask how many have sat under a teaching in the past one year of the reverential fear of God. Well, Roger may be different, but most churches, it's not likely that in one year such a topic was taught. Why? It's not, it's not the typical teaching in the body of Christ. But the truth is, it is one of the rudimental, important teachings we must undergird ourselves with, especially in the last days we live in now. Where there's so much dishonor, so much disrepute brought into the church, the body of Christ. Because the, the modernization we find ourselves in and in the world of, of liberty, the world of choices, the world of if it feels good, do it. The world of everybody's doing it, it must be right. You know, we, we think that God has changed his, his, his paradigm of relating with his people. No, still the same God. As loving as God is, he is also a God who unfortunately, unfortunately, is a judge. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. So this teaching is very, very important. Our text again, Proverbs 9, 10, AMPC, says, The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning, the chief and choice part of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight and understanding. The question is, man of God, we've heard about this reverential fear. What exactly is the reverential fear of God? How can we define it? How can we nail it? How can we have a better understanding of what it is? Well, for those who are teachers, you'll understand one method of teaching is to first teach what something is not before you teach what it is. So there is a contrast of what is not from what it is. So before we look at what the reverence of you of the Lord is from scripture, I want us to look at what is not. Now, there are four aspects of fear, if you want to categorize that as that, um, that are not the kind of fear we're talking about now. Number one fear, write down with you now. Number one fear is Natural fear. Natural fear. Please write down natural fear. Natural fear. You may fear rats, cockroaches, bats, heights, you know, <laughs> dogs, you know. I uh, have a sibling of mine that, you know, you wouldn't believe what, what this sibling is afraid of. Roaches, cockroaches. <laughs> natural fear. Cockroach. And the presence of the rod said, my goodness, cockroach, that's a fear. It's a natural fear. Praise God. Now, the other kind of fear that is not so natural is demonic fear. Evil fear. Evil fear. Demonic fear. The Bible in 2 Timothy 1.7 says, The Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Love and a sound man. Hallelujah. The Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Love. Sound man. So if you have dealings with this demonic spirit of fear, you can tell from the scripture we just read now, it did not come from God. Hello, somebody. Oh, you're so quiet. It did not 
come from God. And this demonic spirit <laughs> is so interesting that because it's a spirit, you don't quite have a control over it. You don't quite have a grip over it. Only by light, only by revelation, is one delivered from the spirit of fear. Bible declares in 1 John 4, 17, telling us one of the key answers to this demonic spirit. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as Christ is, so are we. Verse 18 says, there is no fear in love. Wow. There is no fear in love, but perfect love. This is what? Casted out fear. It's not just a prayer point. There's a deliverance. You cast out fear. Why? It's a spirit. It's a demonic entity. And it goes on to say, because, hear this now, this evil kind of fear comes with torment. Hiyah. Torment. When you hear the word torment, you think of demons and you think of hell. Huh? Oh, this is no kind of fear to be entangled with. If you don't get to know what to do with it, this fear can drive you to depression and it could even drive you to an early grave. It could drive, it will drive you to a life that is not productive, a life that hangs on a balance. You can't tell whether the day is night or night is day. Is a demonic fear. The truth is, this demonic fear is the door opener of Satan. Yeah. Just like faith moves God, fear gives room to Satan. Praise God. And I believe God, if there be anybody who is entangled with this kind of demonic fear, sometimes panic attack, sometimes baseless uh, worry. Ayah. I trust the Lord that tonight as these words of life is coming away you will be delivered. Ayah, yeah, yeah. May you receive the revelation of the love of God for you. Amen. That that spirit is from hell not from your God and it must leave you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So demonic fear. The third kind of fear is religious fear. Or hypocritical fear, where you don't really fear, really, but you're just acting or forming to fear. Look at this, Isaiah 29, 13. We're looking at what fear is not, what the fear of the Lord is not. It's not natural fear. It's not demonic fear. It's not religious fear. It says, wherefore, the Lord said, for as much as these people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. Hear this now. Don't miss one. And their fear, it's a fear quite all right, but their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Yeah, they have a sense of fear towards God. It's taught by the peace of men. 
So it, it's religious fear. The fourth kind of fear is found in Proverbs 29, 25. says, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Parents, as much as we desire for our children to honor us, it's biblical and scriptural, one of the benefits that they will live long. Honor your parents in the Lord, and so shall your days be prolonged. But it's, we must be deliberate and cautious not to make the ones that we should love and care to become afraid of us. In the old school way of parenting, of which many of us were uh, recipients of, praise the Lord, uh, we're made to so fear our parents, especially our daddies, that when the car of your dad is driving towards your house, you know how to arrange yourself in the room or in the house. Run, pam, 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 arrange everything, your room, pam. Why? The king of the roof is coming back. The king of the roof is coming back. So every small lion go into your jungle. You know. Um, we were so intimidated by the stature of our parents. We, we could hardly play with them. I mean, I see pictures of my, my daughter when she was young, play with my beard. I said, my God, I never could talk about my father's beard. How? I see, see, see small girl, just playing my beard, apostle. But she doesn't apostle, I'm father to her. This is my daddy. Eh? Talk about his beard. And I said, go ahead, man. So that was fear. That's not love. It's called the fear of man. Likewise, in ministry also, you should give honor to the brethren, not to fear them. Praise God. They may seem alike, but they're not. One is bondage. It says, the fear of man brings a snare. Because when you fear man, listen carefully, you've allowed there to be an observing of the rival place of God given to a human being. Do you get that? Oh yeah. Guess what? What you fear, you worship. That's why to be caught in a web of the demon of fear, it's your father in heaven is not happy. Because you're, you're really worshiping demon spirits. And I'm not saying this to knock you down. I've been down that road before. I've fought fear. I know what it means. And I have compassion for those who are going through that. Depression, anxiety, baseless, no base, demonic spirit. You don't know you're worshiping a demon of fear. So you must fight to be delivered. One way to be delivered is to go for the revelation of the love of God. Ah, yeah. It's a secret. When the Lord reveals his love for you to levels unimaginable, fear will disappear. He says, he's not giving us fear, or fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So three things combined overcomes the one spirit of fear. What is it? Power. <laughs> there is a power dimension you need to have. Number two, your mind renewed. Oh yeah. If you're going to overcome fear, you must renew your mind with scriptures. Praise God. And thirdly, the revelation of the love of God. I just gave you a secret now. Three things, power.
Number two, renew your mind in the scriptures. Number three, love of God. Hallelujah. All right. So, what fear or what reverential fear of God is not, is not to be afraid or to be frightened of God. Hallelujah. Now, some of the synonyms that help to portray a better meaning of the reverential fear of God right now are words like awe, or to hold something or someone in awe. Reverence. Reverence. Someone you rever, rever, reverence. Respect. Honor. Worship. Submission. These are synonyms that help us to begin to see the different shades of the reverence of your God. Or reverence. Respect. Worship. Submission. John Bever, as I referred to earlier, in attempting to define fear, the reverential fear of God, of course, I'm around now, I borrow his definition, or some of them. He said, number one, it is a profound and abiding respect for God and all things he declares holy. A profound and abiding respect for God and all things he declares holy. Number two, it is to assign to God most high the infinite and highest place in your life. You assign God the place of numero uno, the number one in your life. Everything, everybody is secondary. To assign to God the most high, the infinite and highest place in your life. Number three, it says, it is to deeply tremble in awe, hallelujah, at the privilege of his presence. To deeply tremble in awe have the privilege of his presence. He said also to worship God with passionate praise is an aspect of reverence. He says again to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. <laughs> to honor what he honors. Hallelujah. Love what he loves, hate what he hates, and to honor what he honors. It was said concerning Jesus, he has loved righteousness, he has hated iniquity, therefore his God has exalted him above all of his peers and his fellows. It's one thing to love what God loves, but it's another to hate what he hates. This is what it means to honor him and to revere him. The final one says, an internal disposition that produces dread, fear, 
and even terror at the mere thought of offending God casually. Casually. One of my favorite scriptures on the fear of the Lord is found in Proverbs 16, verse 6. If you've listened to me for quite a while, you'll find that I will from time to time refer to that. It says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Ayah, ayah, ayah. It takes power to depart from evil. Bible says that we're to flee every appearance. Not see, you know, as the room is changing color. Hey, back, 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 back. The appearance of sin. You see, what kind of power will a man have to flee? It's the fear of the Lord. If we don't build on the revelation of God's fear, we pray it into our lives, and then we also practice. You cultivate it. You act it. How? Again, I shared with my 12-year-old daughter some days ago, I said, you know, um, the, the, the way I see my, my girl is that wherever I, I, I go or whatever I do, I have this notion and impression that the eyes of God is looking at me where I am. Just trying to bring it to our only 12-year understanding. You know, this is who I am. So whatever I do, I see God is watching me. And it just helps to keep me in a measure of check. Because eyes are everywhere. That people may not see me, but he sees me. So what's that? We practice. <laughs> it's a practice. Just like we practice his presence by imagining that God is here. We also practice reverential fear. See, if we don't exercise ourselves, train ourselves in these things. Listen, it's easy for this modern day pressure to blow believers away under pressure. Under pressure. And don't say you can never fall. I admire your faith. I admire your confidence. But those who say usually fall. But those who admit they can, they run to God for mercy and grace. They, usually, they don't usually fall. You know what? We don't stand because we are powerful. We stand by grace. We stand by mercy. I can't brag, oh, for 25 years, I've been my wife, I'm powerful, I'm strong. No, it's grace and mercy. If it's because I felt I was so anointed, I can appear anywhere like Jack Bauer. Seven women counseling them. Hey, wonderful, pastor, apostle. I told my daughter, said, I strive to put boundaries. If you come to my office, male or female, my staff know to leave the door ajar. One, I can shout, they'll hear me. Two, they can hear our conversation. Three, if you're a girl, you can't snap pictures and go naked. The door is open. Hey, come and see. Shade is here. Just that thought keeps everyone in check. You look back, the door is half open. It's intentional. So when you come, you know why the door is half open. Praise God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This thing is not easy to, to come to this point. No, we have to fight to keep it. Oh, no, 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 no. no. It's easier to go down than to go up. Uh, no, no, no. It's easier. It's easier. It takes a lot to climb. Keep it. Two indominus, two minutes. Then the power has gone. Shame has come. Disgrace. God forbid. Ah! You count the cost. Except you do not pay any price to get where you are. Two minutes. That is it. 
anointing. Boom. They've shaved your hairs. Amen. Indomie. Say, Allah, Maja. God forbid. And me forbid. You forbid. Amen. You're looking power if you're going there. Hallelujah. By mercy and truth, oh, iniquity is purged. Let me emphasize again. Don't think you're as powerful as you imagine. I want to go there. 11, 12, midnight, yo. <laughs> All by yourself. And the girl is fine. And you're alone. Watching movie. In a house. In your house. What do you expect? It's not devil, no. You've, you've created the ambience. Ah. Recipe for what? Disaster. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's help ourselves. Praise God. Let's look at another scripture of importance. Isaiah 11. Let's read together verses 2 to 3. We want to see ah, the foundation. Okay, let's go together. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Ah, yeah, so it's the spirit. Yeah. And shall make him the quick understanding. What? In the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. Now, this scripture spoke prophetically about Jesus. About Jesus. About Jesus. So, the Bible was telling us that even Jesus had the fear of the Lord. Ha. Do you hear me? It's a prophetic scripture about the Messiah. The seventh spirit, sevenfold spirit will be upon him. And it says hmm, that it will make him of a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. Now, let me show you somewhere in the New Testament where the Bible spoke about Jesus expressing reverence toward God his Father. Hebrews 5 verse 7. I read from the KJV and then the Amplified Classic. Please pay attention. This will bless you and it will surprise some of you that it's really, really in the Bible. <laughs> KJV. Who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. Are you there? Who is this referring to? Who? Jesus. And was heard in that what? Whoa. Jesus feared his heavenly father. Whoa. What's that? Let me try to help you. The death referred to here that Jesus was talking about his father 
being able to save him, listen, is not the death of the cross. It can be. At Gethsemane, he prayed into the Father's will. Not my will, but your will be done. He knew the cross was a cup of suffering he was born to drink. Praise God. So he couldn't be now saying, I want my father to save me from the cross, from death. Is that correct? No. But it was the death of possibly being contaminated by sin. Not just the cross, sin. And he said, my father is able to save me. And he says that because he feared, God the Father heard it. Now hear the AMPC. He says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite, special petitions for that which he not only wanted, but needed. Hear this. And supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was able or who was always able to save him out from death. And he was heard, hear this now, please hear this, because of his reverence toward God. Hey. So our reverence toward God is a key to answered prayers. Are you still here? Please, please. Because of, because for this reason, because of his reverence toward God, his godly fear, his piety, in that he shrank, now this is what the death is all about. He shrank from the horrors of separation. Abba. Don't be crossing the fear. No, just to be separated. Lama, lama, sabachthani. My father, my father. Why? Sin came to separate them momentarily. Separate from the bright presence of the father. Saints, our greatest fear should not be the fear of anything negative in this life. Not even the fear of ultimately dying. If it doesn't come, we'll live long and still die. But our fear should be the fear of ever being separated. Kaya. Bringing displeasure. Bringing anything that will cause any kind of separation. He said, Hebrews 13 verse 5, he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's the truth. You see, if you're walking with God and you don't sense him anymore, he has not moved, you moved. Oh, are you still here? So the truth is, he's waiting for you where you left him. Aya. This is the beauty of repentance. Aya. It's the bliss of repentance. Repentance is a blessing. 
Repentance means the opportunity to return from a fall and to rise to the penthouse. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Tragedy sets in when we are not able and willing to repent. But as for the father, his hands are open. So no matter how far one walks away from him, he hasn't shifted. No, he will never leave, not forsake us. It's true. So what do we do? We return back. We retrace our steps. Daddy, I'm sorry. I yearn for you. I want you. Let, let me be vulnerable to you. I don't know whether it happens to you or not, but I'm sure it must be if you're a Christian. If you are, if you're really born again, you, you share with me. There are times, it's, it's a very interesting feeling. There are times I'm just doing something, you know, and um, either I say something or I do something, then you suddenly know, Pastor Anderson, it, it looks like his presence lifted from you. Did you, did you feel it? I don't know whether you feel that. Then you wonder, hey, what happened? What happened? What happened? You, know, you don't say it, but you're checking. No, 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 no. You're, you're, if you're sensitive enough, you ought to scan. Last five minutes, last 10 minutes, last 15 minutes. What shifted? How? What? What? They said, okay, I raised my voice. I allowed anger to rise. You've got to be that sensitive to walk with the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, <laughs> you probably ain't really living. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so when that lived, what it's telling you is that, hey, slow down. Find out what has moved. Then when you adjust yourself, comes again. Hello, somebody. You must, you, must, you must learn to walk with the Spirit at that level. Not just, just assuming that everything is, wake up, sleep, wake up, you know. You know uh, the, 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 you see, the anointing, listen carefully. The anointed is likened unto a dove, not a pigeon. Praise God. You guys are not giving me juice. Praise God, somebody. You know, if you go to Trafalgar Square in London, you see pigeons everywhere. Put your hand out. Pigeons will rest on your hand, on your head. You see them? Huh? Pigeons everywhere. You never see a dove do that. Why? Doves are very sensitive birds. Mm. They are sensitive to noise. You do, they fly. Hiya. So therefore, as believers who are born again and have the Holy Ghost, we need to be sensitive, please listen, uh, to the dealings, the leadings, and the promptings of the Holy Ghost. So, if there's a noise that makes the dove lift momentarily, it's calling for your attention. And many times, all you need is just a slight adjustment of attitude. Hello, somebody? And then, psh, the anointing comes again. But if you've not trained in this, you just, you know, just live anyhow, anywhere, in there, out there, out there, nothing matters, anywhere, anyhow, praise God. Rise on your feet, people of God. Let's honor the Lord tonight. Wow. I want us to ask the Holy Ghost to grant us grace to be more sensitive. Ah, balogomana. More sensitive 
to his promptings and leadings and dealings going forward. Father Lord, if I've been too insensitive, awaken my sensitivity. If there be anybody whose hair has been shaven like, like Samson, we pray for grace tonight for God to cause such hair and such locks to begin to grow again. A new level of strength. We're already in prayer. New level of sensitivity. Cry out to the Lord. Ah, segi balonuses. Oh, that I may be sensitive. Are we praying or what? Ego manoseketia. Anywhere I became dull. I became dull. I became dull of hearing. Dull of seeing. Ah, the Bible declares the seen eyes and the hearing ears. The Lord has made them both. Ayah. Father, open our eyes. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Can you ask the Lord for sensitivity of heart? Oh, that I may be aware of the shiftings of the dove of your spirit. I will not be careless. I will know when something shifted. I can return quickly to adjust in my heart. Ah, Egamanoma. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Are you praying or what? Lift your thoughts. Want to hear a praying family? Ah, Gamonga. Make me sensitive. Ah, he says, my sheep hear my voice and the voice of no other will they hear. Ask the Lord for these encounters. Sensitivity of heart. Ayamanoka. Berebelo, brebo, brebo. That I will no longer grieve the Holy Ghost. I will no longer quench the Holy Ghost. Help me, Jesus, from this night. I desire intimacy to a whole new level. Help me to know the environment that delights you. Help me to know what grieves you, what quenches you, and to desist from them. We are praying tonight. This is how to build intimacy and build presence and build power and build glory is from within you as many as are led by the holy ghost we can be led ask the lord tonight i want to hear you i want to see you ah cable same this is the way to go i want to know where to go how to go when to go deliver me from hardness of hearing ears hard to hear Opala, let every spiritual wax all be removed from my ears. Every glaucoma, every spiritual glaucoma be removed from my eyes. That I may see Jesus. I may hear you again. That this church will be sensitive to your presence and your power. Magadagabos, we may honor you by living lives of consecration, lives of dedication lives of devotion help us to know how to build the atmosphere that welcomes your glory in our midst thank you for the atmosphere suited for the miraculous atmosphere of worship atmosphere of praise atmosphere of sanctity atmosphere of holiness help us to thirst for your presence one more minute one more minute pray as though your life depends upon this New level of sensitivity. Hey! As many as are led, we can all be led by the Holy Ghost. You will hear the voice of one saying behind you, This is the way to go. 
in the New Testament, we hear the voice saying, Within us, this is the way to go. Open my eyes, open my ears, that I may see you. Open my eyes, open my ears, that I may hear you. Oh Lord, we crave for the visions of the night, the dream of the night. A people who hear you, a people who follow you in the Gabalo. Thank you for seeing eyes, hearing ears, understanding heart in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We believe that you have been tremendously blessed by the ministry of Apostle Goodhart Obi Ekweme. It is our conviction that this message has begun a mighty work in your life and we pray that the grace for prompt obedience to the Word of God will rest upon you. We look forward to hear and celebrate your testimonies with great expectations.